Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Be Your Own Muse podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I am just going to cut right to the chase because you are in for a treat with this episode. Um, my mind was just blown constantly during this conversation. It was a very, very good interview with somebody who just, I believe her work delivers so much value to the world. Um, and you'll get into it when you hear her. And by her, I mean Serena, who is the lustful witch on Instagram. Um, she is a personal tarot guide. She offers tarot readings and Kundalini activations, which you'll hear, you'll, you will hear her talk a little bit more about in this episode, her perspective on tarot, her perspective on Kundalini. Um, and she, what she really wants is for society to look at the unsexy parts um, and to integrate that and so that we all feel whole. Um, she wants you to manifest your best life through kundalini magic and feminine receivership. And that to me, I mean, after having had this conversation and after having worked with her, um, that is just the tip of the iceberg. So I'm really excited to have you all listen to uh, her perspective on things. She is... I don't, I want to say not for the faint of heart. Um, like I want to say, wow, not for the faint of heart. She's just so out there, but honestly, personally, I feel really bored by the, um, denormalization of the shadow. I mean, when people say like, wow, this is just so shocking and offensive and, you know, prepare to be amazed. Like, I mean, yes, (laughs) that's all, those are all correct. Her perspective is, um, what some would call shocking, I mean, but also at the same time, I'm bored of that perspective. Like, why would that, why does, why is the shadow shocking? Why, why is this stuff taboo? And those are exactly the questions that Serena asks us and wants us to continually ask us. Um, I think I say it in this podcast, um, if not, I've said it somewhere else, but just like, I, I mean, I'm so bored of, of, the perspective that the shadow is inherently shocking. I think once we really begin to integrate the parts of ourselves that we want to hide, the parts of ourselves that we're afraid of, the parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at, like what in you would you just be so ashamed of if everybody saw? Um, what, what What is that? And if you were to integrate it into your work, into your life, into your being, into your energy, into your aura, you would feel whole and you would say, well, this is just who I am. It's not shocking. This is me. Um, And I think that Serena does that very, very well. So you are absolutely in for a treat. I'm going to just dive right into the the questions. Um, I highly, highly recommend that you uh, just open, sorry, listen with an open mind, uh, you know, open your mind and just go along for the ride. Um, I really, really hope that that she's on on for another podcast episode because I thought this one rocked my socks off. All right. Thank you so much. And without further ado. You definitely have inspired me to look at the shadow more as like a Mm -hmm. co-creator. A lot of people talk about the shadow, like that's the, the shadow self and all that stuff. But I think it wasn't until your work that I really started to see like, oh, this is important. Like, this is urgent. Like, the mm-hmm. shadow is your friend. I don't remember what you said. Uh, oh, you said falling in love with your shadow is an integral prerequisite to being a proven magician. So yeah. I'm curious where your emphasis on the shadow came from. Or like, what, what, how did you begin to see the shadow as like the front line of your work? I mean, the literal taboo. Like, how did mm. that process unfold for you? Sure. Um so oh, so loaded, but I love this. Um, <laughs> well, I think um, being somebody that studies astrology, um, it's important to note that my Pluto is in the first house. So it sort of influences the way in which I identify. I identify so much with that darker aspect of consciousness Um, And that's brought a lot of shame. It's come from a lot of really being okay with the shadow within myself and um, just noticing from a really young age that I was 
wildly comfortable with talking about um, things that seem to make other people uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And it wasn't purposefully, it was more like I just vehemently felt like we needed to go there. I, it, was, it was bothersome to me that people avoided this stuff because it just didn't feel right in my body. It felt like um, superficial. Mm-hmm. So like, I, yeah. I think, um, the sense of urgency, like you were born with a mm-hmm. sense of urgency of like, why are we not talking? Can you, can you right. think of any specific examples, I guess, from your childhood, teenage, any time in your life at all of, um, right. feeling like people were just kind of like throwing a bunch of shit under the rug and you were like, wait, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, for sure. In adolescence, that was very palpable to me. Um, but also I, I felt like my desire to like explore things that had to do with my own taboos, my own, um, sexual appetite, my own desire. It was, um, just, I always felt like there was a a clear dichotomy with what society was perpetuating that sort of narrative. And at the time I was a spiritual seeker and I wish it would have been the way that it is now, you know, when you walk into Barnes and Noble and there's just like a plethora of mystical knowledge that's available. And for me, I was truly seeking out that information. Um, I really felt like I was coming at it from a point of deep isolation and like introspection, but I just, I think I always felt like talking about shit that other kids didn't necessarily. And what that engendered was either people were like super attracted to me or like definitely repelled. It was like one or the other. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I'm thinking about being a teenager and <laughs> like, man, I mean, teenagehood to me, I am, I'm curious to hear about your experience with, with that and how that, how that unfolded into like mm-hmm. the sense of security that you have now and saying like, this is who I am. Right. Um, but being a teenager, like your sense of security is thrown off. Right. Like, I mean, think being an adult is just like, it's fine. Like wh- someone makes yeah. a comment on the internet, like maybe it hurts your feelings. But, like at the end of the day, it's fine. But like being a teenager, maybe it's not. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm really curious, like, how would you, how, how has the journey been from mm-hmm. teenagehood to, um, now where you can like, just confidently call yourself the lustful witch? Like, yeah. been? um, it's honestly been, uh, like from the right start felt like I was sort of put on a roller coaster that I couldn't get off. Um, I think, yeah, you're like, I can relate. Wow. Um, (laughs) For me particularly, I grew up within a house that was very chaotic. Um, It was a lot of domestic violence, a lot of instability, a lot of um, unpredictability. And my environment was such that I couldn't trust whether there was gonna be an outburst or um, just belligerent behavior, I couldn't trust the dynamics of my environment. And so what that actually catalyzed in me was this desire. I don't know where it came from, but I was suffering so much and uh, in such isolation that I actually started meditating deeply when I was about 11 years old Mm -hmm. and I've never stopped. Mm -hmm. And um, I just noticed really quickly that there was something there and there was a familiarity and a safety, but the real job would be into my adolescence and into even now in my adulthood would be unraveling the shame, like the shame from being somebody who I felt like was just deeply worthless. I felt like I didn't get that initial basic, um, security that everybody just gets. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but it's like, it's so basic that you don't even know that you have it. And yeah. Oh my God, I didn't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think when you were talking about uh, meditating from the age 11, uh, I was always told that that was like disassociation and ADHD. Mm. I mean, even oh, wow. when it, something that triggers me personally, when I see somebody just confidently say that they had ADHD, that they have ADHD, Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I never got that confident diagnosis. I was always just told that like, I'm disassociating. Wow. And I was never, yeah. So now as like, I, I realize now I'm able to say like, oh, I was meditating. Like children have very open 
third eyes. Like I know that that's just mm-hmm. they're very, their imagination is very overactive. And yeah. um, I mean, there's the whole thing that we could say about that, like whether or not, like whether or not they're, like, whether they're coping or they're actually saying things that other people don't see. Right. Um, but I, yeah, no, that sounds like your journey has just been it sounds like, I mean, for you to find that sense of groundedness, which is why I, what I love, like, wow. I mean, there's so many different different directions that we can go in, but what I love about what you and what stands out to me about your work is uh, we were chatting on Instagram like a month ago or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, I think you said, cause I was like asking you some questions about like the reading that you gave me and like kind of your work. Um, and you said something like, essentially this is root chakra healing. And that's- yes. Whoa, because I didn't realize that um, I was so disconnected from my sense of like worthiness. I am, mm. enough. I am enough. Mm-hmm. I am worthy. Like that was the disconnect. Right. Um, and what, what would you say are like some of the symptoms or like, how, how would you explain further? Like when somebody needs root chakra healing or what that process is like? Totally. Um, well, Sometimes this one can be really um, tricky and insidious because if you are going out into the world with that broken sense of security, you won't know that that's <laughs> pun intended, like the root problem. Yeah. Because it's always been that way. Um, yeah. But also, in terms of symptoms, it can bleed out as like very overactive sexual energy, mm-hmm. um, which was definitely the case for me. Um, because that's creative life force energy and it's sort of this desire to like pull things unto you, but it's coming from this very, um, imbalanced, like I need to do, I need to take action. I need to control. I need to manipulate like the aspects, the people, the circumstances within my environment. And it's just fucking survival mode the entire time. It's just survival mode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think about, um, one symptom that really stands out to me in people is feeling like they can never be alone or in their, their face, like always. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's to me, I know that you're on TikTok. to me when I'm on TikTok and I'm like on my for you page, just like kind of scrolling mindlessly, the jokes that people make, I'm like, this root Mm. chakra, this collective. I mean, for me, like some jokes that come in, come in mind, there's two jokes that actually stand out specifically to me. One of them is like people just joke about like not being able to process a thought, like how the, the, the extent that people go to to keep themselves right. that they can't process yes. a thought. Um, ooh, another one. I thought of a third one. When people um, say like, I didn't realize that my profile view was so ugly until I got on TikTok or like now I feel insecure hmm. about myself because of TikTok. Like that is also a root chakra thing. Um, and there's also many, many, many things as right. well. Um, how has your journey on like the internet been? I mean, do you feel like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you're pretty grounded and I feel like your content is just so grounded and spicy at the same time. I don't well, think really, you. I don't really feel like I got there. So I'm just curious, like how <laughs> on the internet out there. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a continual process. And I think that right now what I'm exploring is, putting my developmental journey uh, out in the public. So um, I think that's something that I avoided for the longest time, because like I said, it was just the journey of unraveling that shame, that shame of like really deeply being seen. And I'm just finally like fresh out of my Saturn return. (laughs) It's like I've gone through all of those um, lessons from Saturn and I feel like it's, it's like something just shifted within me to be, um, to be able to present myself while I'm maybe, you know, not the most mature, not the most, um, seasoned. It's like, while I'm still learning and being very okay with it, being very compassionate with myself. So that's sort of where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's interesting. Do you feel like you, um, this is me asking for myself. I'm not yeah. me projecting, but like, do you feel like your age or your experience on this world and this life, do you feel like that ever holds you back from saying things, making claims, sharing opinions or showing mm-hmm. up in certain ways? Um, do you know, I feel like it gives me the most leverage 
actually. I have such confidence in my life experience and specifically, you know, pain through suffering. It reminds me of the hanged man in the tarot, just this perceived bondage and associations with Neptune when he's like submerged and it appears to everyone that he's just the town heretic and he's just like the crazy person. But he's the first one in essence that gets to have a glimpse of illumination. He gets to have a glimpse of enlightenment. Those who are the first to, you know, undergo that cataclysmic heroine's journey are the first ones who will receive those gifts and know what it is to suffer so that they then have that those gems of wisdom to be able to share with other people. Um, yeah. I really do feel like for me, my background was an incubator for soul growth. I don't know why the hell I did that. I wouldn't choose it again because yeah. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now, I mean, like you definitely, like you definitely radiate confidence because what my, when I, okay. So when I found your Instagram, like the first impression you have of somebody's like their picture and their name and like, whatever. Um, the, it's funny because the lustful witch, like that, you know, that feeling where you're like triggered and curious at the same time. Like, oh yeah, I wasn't like, ew, I'm triggered. Gross. I was like, huh? Because I actually, um, at the time the phrase that like, uh, the phrase in my head that was going through, I don't know why I feel so scared sharing this, the phrase, no, like, no, no. <laughs> like the horacle, horacle, like be like whore and oracle, horacle was mm. in my head, and I don't, I don't claim calling myself a whore, I mean, that's what I call, that's the name of, like, my muse, which is, like, that, like, everybody has a muse, and it's, like, I love it, it's, like, not your higher self, I don't know, the way that I see the muse in my pro, and I talk about it in my programs and stuff like that, and when I do muse readings, I'm reading people's muses, and it's, like, a new developing thing for me, but mm -hmm. the muses, I see it as a triangle, and I talk about this a lot in my um, programs and stuff like that, but it's a triangle, it's um, your higher self and your shadow are, are on the same level. Your higher self yes. is not above or below anybody. Your higher self yes. and your shadow are on the top. The bottom, I like to call, I actually didn't coin this, but I actually put it into the context of this triangle, is the professional, meaning like your earthly body who's here on a mission, who mm -hmm. has, owns the laptop, owns the iPhone, like yeah. <laughs> a professional, that's you. And the contrapositive to the, sorry, not the contrapositive, the other side of the professional is the amateur, like opposed to the amateur. That's like you know, so the professional knows that she's on a mission mm -hmm. and then three of those together is the muse. Um, and so my muse, like she's the horacle, like she's just, mm -hmm. she, she sees, she knows, she feels all the things. And like, I was starting to kind of feel really uncomfortable and crunchy in that. And then I came mm -hmm. across her profile, like just someone who just blatantly calls themselves. And I think this is beautiful, but the lustful, witch. I mean, to me, I was like, I felt activated in a way. Um, and then for you to also kind of explain saying like, that's related to the root chakra, your sense of safety and stability. Mm -hmm. And right. for, for me, like, I know that I, like, I take a lot of risks in my content, but mm -hmm. I never felt safe doing so. So mm -hmm. what I love about your content is like, you post, you say these things that are like, I don't even want to say that they're, I, I feel like, it's just so limiting and boring to say like, oh, they're controversial. Like that just feels limiting and boring to be like, mm -hmm. you know, to claim that witches deserve abundance and like, um, you know, reclaim your power. I mean, you say so much more than that, but like just those messages are just to call them controversial. Like it's, it's I'm bored of that conversation quite frankly. Yeah. I'm, I'm bored of myself calling it controversial. <laughs> um, but I always felt like, um, you know, calling myself funky Aphrodite because that was actually channeled to me when I was like 20 years old. Right. Um, that never felt safe. It just never felt, I, I did yeah. it, but it never felt safe to do. Right. So. It's like, it wasn't fully embodied. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. talking about, um, root chakra healing and like connecting it to the sacral. I can't tell you how few people I know do that. People will talk mm -hmm. about the sacral. They'll talk about the third eye. They'll talk about the root chakra, but like how often do people connect the first two chakras um, outside of the Kundalini yoga context and, um, right. Yeah. Oh, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I really wanted to ask you. So I actually, for context for the listeners, um, uh, Serena does Kundalini healing, Kundalini activation. Yeah. Um, and out, but I have only ever heard of Kundalini in yoga. 
And mm -hmm. I, I have so many people. <laughs> yeah. And I resonate with the Kundalini energy, the Shakti, like all the things like, yeah, cool. But for some reason, um, I feel like the more that I dove into traditional, I don't even want to call, I don't know what to call it. Kundalini yoga through yoga. I felt like I just fell so out of alignment. <laughs> um, so I'm curious about the direction mm -hmm. that you take Kundalini I mean, sorry. Yeah. Your direction in Kundalini, kind of your approach on it. And you can also sure. talk about what you're not when it comes yeah. to Yeah. Sure. So <clears throat> with my Kundalini journey, I, I truly follow the medicine of my own anecdotal experience. And, um, to talk about that, I'll have to talk about what happened when I was 25 years old, I had actually sort of imploded. Um, I went through like a deep psychosis um, and almost died. So I had stopped eating. I was having just um, very erratic and sort of um, perpetual panic attacks. And it was just the culmination of my entire life experience and then um being assaulted physically that yeah led me to having my near-death experience and afterwards i had a spontaneous kundalini awakening and it was very traumatic it was very uh scary it was um and it was very intense so with that, I probably, not probably, I have, I've had every single crazy traumatic symptom that one could have. So if you like Google Kundalini healing crisis, every single thing that could have happened that went wrong, went wrong. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I just felt like Kundalini in the context of yoga, number one, I'm a life path one. So I'm really rebellious and sort of like, if I can find a way to take the left-hand path mm -hmm. and sort of like reject <laughs> hierarchical knowledge, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so that's what I've done. Um, and that's my approach to it. It's really just relying on my own anecdotal experience and the confidence that I've learned how to use this energy within my body and the confidence that, um, I, I didn't need like a series of different moves to awaken it or something like that, or any like Shakti pot from a guru, from a guru. And that's the experience that I very much want to share with other women um, within healing containers. I want them to know that this is something that is just part of the natural human experience. And it's, it's innate in us. It's innate in us and we don't need external facilitators. I mean, it can be helpful but this is like a magical sort of gnosis that we get to commune with mm -hmm. um and really just returning us to being self-sourced and not outsourcing our power to like so-called gurus and programs and things like that and i don't know if you've heard um what's going on within the kundalini world in particular but yogi bhajan is like under fire oh for like <laughs> whatever culty shit is happening. That doesn't surprise me. Like, that doesn't. I mean, yep. <laughs> I, I remember constantly being like activated every week by which guru was doing what now. And uh -huh. I watched a documentary <laughs> about um, Bikram um, from Bikram. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I remember just the, the whole, like, so I, this is just kind of a side note, but I saw it uh, on Netflix. There's a documentary on Netflix about, um, Bikram, who founded Bikram Yoga. Yes. All the comments were like, oh my God, how could he do this? He's so disgusting. I'm canceling my, I'm never taking Bikram again. And this, the studio I worked at changed it from mm -hmm. Bikram Yoga to 26 and 2. Like they, you know, there was just all this outcry. Yeah. And so I watched it and I remember feeling absolutely, and this is going to sound bad out of context, but I remember feeling nothing because I was like, I am 0% surprised. There is no reaction going on in my body because I am not surprised that any of this is happening. So mm -hmm. um, just, I was tired of being outraged by this guru said this and that group. Like, and then, I mean, I also know that I was chosen for good or better or worse to carry out the message of be your own muse, mm. which I just, admit sometimes i'm fully like what does that even mean be your own like what the hell yeah that it wasn't until you said like um what you just said essentially in your story with kundalini um 
and I have a follow-up question about that course, but I want you to finish what you're saying about Yogi Bhajan or um, Kundalini. Um, but it wasn't until then that I was like, ah, yes, she needs to be on the podcast because she can <laughs> so much better than I can. But it's like, okay, so you take the course and somebody teaches you how to do these moves to summon source or right. summon Kundalini or summon what have you. What if you just like, don't feel it? you know yeah um, so i'm curious to hear i didn't i hope i didn't like interrupt you <laughs> you're talking about yogi oh no 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 not at all <laughs> um, but also like i'm curious like what if and i know this is not the life you live and this is not the life your students live like you know that's what you're there for but as an activator um rather than like a teacher um but like what if you do the moves and you mm -hmm. do the tarot you do the things and you don't feel anything yeah i mean so <clears throat> the way that I would go, like uh, go into this is that for me, and I've told, I think I've mentioned this to you like several times. It's why I resonate with your energy so much. I am so not about subjecting myself to doing a series of, I don't know, just a bunch of moves and shenanigans. I really do think that uh, a lot of that comes from my background with like being a long-term meditator and what I've seen um, my capacity for healing and growth come from just like going right in. Yoga is really hard for me, like off the bat. So I just yeah. knew that that wasn't an option. It's really hard for me to like sit, sit still um, unless I'm like gonna like go super inward. Yeah. So that was off the table. But um what I will explain about Kundalini is that it's actually a state. It's sort of like um, what a waterfall is to water. So Kundalini is a state of movement, of Shakti essence within your central channel, within the Shushumna. It's not a different energy. It's, it's prana. It's Shakti essence. But when Shakti is activated in a certain way, that gives rise to creative healing and purification. So <clears throat> traditionally, the way that people used to activate Kundalini is they would do the purification process first. So they would clear out karmic blockages, they would like be on the dieta, they would um, do all of the things so that Kundalini would have a clear path. That's not really the case anymore, especially with just so many rapid fire, spontaneous awakenings that, that are happening right now. Uh -huh. So with that, the Kundalini serves a purpose to purify. Um, and it's going to purify us by bringing us uh, directly head on with the karmic experiences we need in order to liberate us from identification with our own egos. So the point of it is to liberate us from the suffering of being identified with being a conscious conditioned mind into Shiva consciousness or just loving awareness. So I do have specific like practices, meditations and approaches, but I really just wanted it to be very in my feminine, very intuitive. Mm. And it, it can work that way for everybody. I mean, you have no idea how much that resonates with me because I definitely feel like I had a type of Kundalini awakening mm -hmm. for those. I think the majority of people have, who I know have been following me since then in 2018, um, I got really into yoga and intuitive movement mm -hmm. and like all the things. And I like, I mean, you can, I, I remember like just this melting of the external shell and just like mm -hmm. being out in public and definitively feeling like I do not care. Like I am in my light. Like I yes. remember feeling like, like just constant communication from, from within. It was, it was like when I realized like, uh, because I was raised Mormon, raised very mm. religious and we were just kind of constantly kind of indoctrinated to believe that source communicates from outside. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, the famous right. story in Mormonism is that God came down on a pillar of light and spoke to Joseph Smith and told him what to do. Mm -hmm. And it was like clear day, day, like plain as day. And the Bible has a lot of stories like that as well, but it wasn't until this kundalini awakening when i felt it within within myself and that was felt sacrilegious and like a little scary because i was like wait mm. i'm not i'm not a prophet i'm not a yeah I'm not the pope. like i'm not a, a mormon bishop i'm just a girl who sins right. regularly you know like i'm just a sinner um, right and i but then it wasn't until and i mean your story just really 
makes me feel good because it wasn't until I started piling on all these rules of yoga and I actually started teaching yoga because I just wanted somebody else to feel the way I, I didn't give a flying mm. fuck if you knew how to do this pose or that. I didn't give a fuck if you like stayed in happy baby the whole time. Like I really did not care, but I lived in D- DC and there was just a lot of emphasis, like just a lot of ego in the yoga world over there. I mean, just because it's DC and that's just how people like to play over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until there was like overemphasis on form and, and, and I mean, form is like safety. I, I get it. Like, I get it, you guys, but like mm-hmm. um, the, the emphasis on form and being diplomatic and looking this way and just being on time. And like, it just killed my buzz. It killed my kundalini. Yes. The movement became physically painful for me. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling just like out of love with yoga. So, um, I love that I feel like you embody like the safety aspect and like, like, I mean, when I say safety, I mean like root chakra, like stability, like right. safe for me. Oh my God. What did you said something amazing over here? I don't remember, but you said, uh, I was born to receive like that to me is just like ultimate safety. How can you be yeah. safe? Um, so obviously your story just resonates with me like crazy. Um, and I'm curious, like, what does this kundalini practice look like on a day to day? Because it doesn't sound like you mm-hmm. have a ritual. Like, well, I wake up and I do, like, <laughs> my husband does the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ashtanga yoga, but my, oh, husband, I am, yeah. Yeah, my husband wakes up and does the primary series every single day, like at sunrise, like that's his thing. Um, and that is not my thing. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm just curious, like, it doesn't sound like you have uh, you know, meditation practice that is 26 steps and you will share with all of us and we will become enlightened. Like, oh, right. Quite yeah. the contrary. Um, so I'm curious, like what your day-to-day looks like or how do you stay connected? How do you stay receptive and uh, what sure. happens? So <clears throat> for me, and this is something that I wouldn't necessarily impose on other people, but it's sort of just like, it's just, I've been meditating for so long. It's just sort of like second nature. Um, Currently my practice is I meditate about two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. Uh Um, (laughs) And within that, I've just cultivated an ability to go so deeply within myself that I definitely have psychic visionary experiences. Um, I have a lot of metaphysical experiences and as far as my kundalini, um, it's been about six years where I've had the energy running so cleanly and strongly within my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did see a shaman initially when I had my, that first liberation of energy to sort of help me learn how to calm this down um, because it was running so rampant at the time and it was just a big upgrade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she suggested a technique that I still use to this day, which is to talk to my kundalini. I talk to my Shakti essence and, you know, Mahi Kundalini Shakti, be gentle with me, like really softening and just opening myself to her presence with reverence and respect and knowing that she's ultimately an aspect of me, the the truest aspect of me. Um, I do have a lot of initiatory experiences, um, especially I'll say through the goddess Kali Mm -hmm. who's come through to me and I speak to Kali. So it's really become like a a process of deification Mm -hmm. um, with the feral feminine. And it's, it really gets to the core of what I feel like my purpose is throughout all of this work, which is to free the feral feminine and just free us. It's like a lot of what you said about, you know, what are my 26 steps and what do I have to do to like, just that is patriarchal hijacking of just stealing and robbing us of our own intuitive gnosis. What is awakening for me isn't necessarily going to be what's for you. Right. And so just really reclaiming our power, really like bringing it back to that root chakra, really um, just becoming completely self-sourced in knowing that you have all the tools to activate yourself. You have all the tools to be able to um, hone in on that personal power. Yeah. I, okay. So I love that. I love that you talk to your deities um, because I actually, I said it in a reading this morning and I, I was filming a reading for somebody and I felt shy to say this, but it's true. Um, I actually have been speak So Aphrodite visits me very commonly. Um, and at first, at first she was very nice. And then she was like, 
seriously, like, come on. Um, yeah. Started saying things to me that were like scary, not scary, but like, uh, you know, like just straightforward and like mm -hmm. uh, very rooted in like motherly guidance. And I was like, no, 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 like that's not, that's not possible. I'm like hallucinating. I'm like, you know, like this is not, this mm -hmm. is, you know, whatever. Um, but it, that just like affirms a lot for me because that's just like something that I'm growing to accept. Um, and so for you to say like, you, you, you know, you talk to your Shakti, you talk to your Kundalini like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I also love that you preface this. I mean, I don't love it, but I, I love that you preface everything you <laughs> said with, uh, I wouldn't impose this on anybody, but you know, because I totally, yeah. I totally understand that because I used to really be into fitness before yoga and Kundalini and spirituality and all the things I was really into fitness. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it was rooted in self-hate. Like I wanted to change my body, right? Mm. And I heard people say like, there's also this, a lot of the scarcity. This goes back to what I was saying about TikTok. I see on comments, people are like, well, how can I have that? How can I do that? What's your 10 mm -hmm. step process for doing that? Teach me how. And there's just like this, right. like, man, it just like messes with, it messes with me. I mean, there's like that love of sharing knowledge, but then it's also like, you, you're going to be okay. Like find it for yourself. You know, I don't have all the answers. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, okay. Yeah. So like, I understand when I want to teach people, how do you teach somebody to teach themselves? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like wanting to establish your authority and all the buzzwords that they use in, um, like the online, like which space and the healing space, and the mm -hmm. coaching space. how do you teach somebody to teach themselves? What do you feel so far has like really been your method of, I guess, teaching or activating? Like, how do you activate yeah. somebody to activate themselves? I think what I've noticed um, has been the most impactful, like in terms of any of the offerings I have, whether it's a reading or whether it's an activation, is sort of like monkey see, monkey do. It's like, it really is simple. And it's a lot more in um, being cognizant of the energy I'm wielding within my body, I will say I'm teaching what I'm learning myself right now. Mm -hmm. And so being in my body, just really lowering my consciousness, like coming into my heart and moving myself from my head and like over masculine tendencies, not that I'm trying to shun the masculine, but it's not about the masculine right now for me yeah. <laughs> in my work. Yeah. Um, and just knowing that people just, by nature of their proximity, sort of like, oh, okay. It's like an attunement. It's an attunement to my energy. And just really being in that space of like holding myself um, in sanctity and making receivership, which is a big part of this as well, uh, just a very integrated experience. And it's almost just like they mirror that because, because we're humans we just have that within us biologically, right? And so I'm watching and seeing, okay, as long as I embody this energy, they will mirror it. They will, they will attune to that and be able to find the answers within themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I have right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that because um, I think in my experience playing with the feminine energy and feminine leadership as well mm -hmm. is like, well, I'm not, you know, this feeling of like, I'm not really doing anything i'm just being this yes and yes. that feels wrong i mean personally i'm like because i was i was designing a course i have designed a couple courses and the balance between the fight between the masculine and the feminine the masculine says here's the steps here's the right. here's what you need to do in order to mm -hmm. learn and but the feminine says like just be like you said i love that you use the word attune because i've heard um, like monkey see monkey do, because I've heard people say like, once you're in my energy, then you will be activated. And yes. that's like one way to put it. But to me, I was always craving like another explanation, like, uh-huh. But how do I do it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Or like, what do you mean? Like I pay you and then what? Like, what? Yes. <laughs> like, also, what if I don't want to, um, one thing that I've always been stumped on is like, what if I don't want to be like you, not, not you specifically, because I always, right like you but like I mean I mean like there was this, this this conversation I was having with this coach once where I was like what if I want support but I don't want to necessarily like be like them I just want to mm -hmm. learn from them and right. um I I'm always afraid of like hiring a coach or working with somebody who's just like this is how you be more like me I don't know so mm -hmm. I just like love that distinction between activating and mirroring and 
it re- it's true. I mean, you were just being in the presence of somebody who has an open, tapped-in feminine, like, you just mm-hmm. feel like your brain's grown. Like, you just feel expanded. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I'm, I'm experiencing that currently with leaders that I'm working with, right? And so it's sort of like we're all leading each other along that same path. And it's like I'm noticing, oh, okay, like I tune to this and I end up being like somewhat within their vortex, which is, it works. It's, it's just what happens. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said earlier about the feral woman, right? You said feral, yes. feral feminine. Yes. Feral feminine. Yeah. So you said... Um, I love that you have, you have this Instagram post here that I made note of that says the patriarchy represents an upholding antiquated mandate for the over-domestication of the feral ancient wild woman. To restore kinship with your neglected carnal nature is essential for healing of all wild women. That's mm-hmm. one, of your, one of your tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious where the word like what, what I know what feral means but like where mm-hmm. does feral come into play? Because I've heard about the divine feminine, you know, divine this. Mm-hmm. Divine. I'm curious where your work comes into play with the term feral woman. And if you could just mm-hmm. on that. I think it comes into just, again, me noticing that this is the aspect of consciousness that both men and women are most afraid of or sensing that, almost like smelling it out, like what their fear is because the feral feminine is rapturous right she is someone to be terrified of like she will eat you alive she is all consuming she is all powerful and she is like the antithesis of what i feel has been perpetuated um as the status quo in terms of what is appropriate um what are appropriate means of expression for femininity and womanhood. She is like the most demonized. It's the sacred whore. It's the sacred slut. It is, um, it's the woman who will like Kali feasts on the blood of weak men. Like it is everything animalistic and primal about the woman it's the woman who will kill to protect her cubs it's just that um aspect of the dark goddess that i feel like people are subconsciously so drawn to we see it when um (laughs) just within the toxic aspect of male sexuality and Mm -hmm. how it lusts for women, but at the same time will just degrade them on the basis of their sexuality. It's this really like contorted, twisted, like vile thing that we have um, in regards to shadow sexuality in particular. Um, So I think where the, the term feral feminine comes into play is my first instinct is we need to look at it. This Mm -hmm. is integration. It's just um, incorporating her as a part of the psyche um, as an important archetype because she's manifesting. She's just growing in her prowess and her power and her rage because um, there's like this instinctual desire to look at her, Mm -hmm. but not to hold space for her. And then, oh my gosh, I think that comes into like, you could talk about this forever, like talking yeah. about um, the graduation from toxic masculinity, or rather like the absence of true masculinity, which is to be present for the feminine, right? To hold space for that feminine because she is so rapturous and she desires to be contained, but she's so feared. And because this is so not talked about, um, it just manifests in heinous ways. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Um, I know Carl Jung has the seven feminine archetypes. Would you say that, that that's like the wild, like so when I think of the wild woman, I think yeah. of like, doesn't care what anybody thinks about her, like a balanced wild woman. Um, yes. Doesn't care what anybody thinks about her, like kind of marches to the beat of her own drum, mm-hmm. uh, trusts herself. Um, so that kind of leads me to my question of like, what do you think is the benefit 
or what have you witnessed to be the benefit of a balanced scene contained mm. uh, like when I, I mean like lovingly contained not controlled but like lovingly contained um feral woman like what is the what is the benefit that's the light that we can see in our everyday lives with that i see it as being like a, a sense of satiety and fullness mm -hmm. for um for all genders i see it as being um something that really uh, sort of lifts the veil on what everyone is feeling unconsciously and enables us to really move forward in a place where as men and women we can hold space for one another um, equally in partnership and equally in leadership where we can adopt roles in a healthier way and in a way that's free from bias and judgment and prejudice and namely to like exhaust fear out of the equation because a lot of the repellents and like she brings up repugnancy right and that's like that's plutonian energy it's like repulsion um i brought out that like specific energy and partners and like i think my big pluto placement it it can trigger like literal feelings of disgust like it's in the underworld it's like that barren like weird liminal place that nobody really wants to touch because it's unknown mm -hmm. I just feel like ripping the band-aid off would do so much for humanity. It would yeah. do so much for us as a collective. Yeah. Yeah. What benefits would you say that you felt in your everyday life from this integration? Um, more self-love. Yeah. For right. sure. Like, I, I, <laughs> I mean, ever since meeting you and having the readings and the Kundalini from you, I've been less afraid of shadow work. Um, yeah. I don't even want to shadow integration because work makes it sound like these boxes that you can check off yeah it can also be fun but like work like shadow integration shadow exploration um i didn't realize like i just never felt whole until mm, yes doing this um and like there's those parts of ourselves that we like squash in the closet close the door lock it hope nobody ever sees it mm -hmm. um, but i i didn't even realize like i was acting out of like an inner like wounded child mm -hmm. story was being played out of like um you know mom and dad didn't laugh at my joke. They didn't like the picture I drew. Never, yeah. ever, ever do that again. I got grounded for doing this. Never do it again. Mm -hmm. you know, I was bullied for this. Never do it again. But with shadow integration, I mean, literally to integrate means to make whole, like to put mm -hmm. a bigger piece. And so I think really your work is like teaching people how to be whole, like how to integrate the feminine. Yeah. The feminine is in absolutely all of us and um, yes if, if people feel like there's something missing i feel like a lot of it to me it just sounds like shadow work and mm -hmm. this past year i mean really it's been apparent that we have haven't been doing our shadow work and yeah <laughs> really 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 should be um yeah i mean that just kind of blows my mind <laughs> yeah for sure i yeah. feel like um it's it's not a place that we want to stay either you know um we start with this work and it's like it's just the, sort of like going back to basics because i mean who doesn't want to go and travel to the celestial ether who doesn't want to experience those you know higher polarities that's part of us as well but it's just for me i looked at what was missing within the spiritual community and it's just it's for me it just sticks out like a sore thumb yeah in that this is something that is just it's almost like people are flirting with it in a way like yeah shadow work but it's still like sort of commercialized and yeah, it's, it's like a, do your shadow work anyway yes <laughs> <Do your shadow work. laughs> um, yeah i remember once i asked a question on a, uh, a group coaching call that i was in um i asked like what do i do if i don't feel so it was about money because i i've had a lot of money trauma as i believe many of us has but i've had a lot of financial trauma there's a lot of it in my lineage yeah um, anyway <laughs> so i asked the question of like what if you don't feel worthy like what if like yeah. what if there's that feeling of unworthiness of receiving like what what do we do <laughs> and mm -hmm. she said well you really got to do your shadow work anyway and then just like went back to answering questions about like love and light and like loving money and all the fun things we can do with yeah. money. I'm so aware of all the fun things we can do with money. Trust me. But what about mm -hmm. the root chakra or like the, 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 what's under the, the rug 
that mm-hmm. loop says like, oh, that's not for you. You can't have that. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Keep moving. Keep walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so you were talking about um, filling this like space in the in the industry and just I guess like confronting um, confronting the shadow. Mm-hmm. I love that also like I mean I go back to your Instagram name I love that you called yourself the lustful witch because lust and witch are two words that I'm sure you could find that being like those are bad words you know what I yeah. mean like, those are oh, for sure. bad things and I mean I've struggled with this myself a lot of like not being wanted to be not myself like fear of being associated with something that someone could perceive it's like almost claiming you're like it's like claiming your shadow so that you own it and you love it and you integrate it. And that just is, it's amazing because it, 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 you don't see that a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'm curious how you feel. I mean, maybe you're getting into this, but like I, when I started integrating the shadow into my like muse uh, work, like helping someone find the muse, um, I didn't realize that I had spent the last like three years heavily emphasizing the higher self um and so I'm curious how you feel about like the heavy is there an overemphasis is there not like what's the what's the what is how do you feel about this emphasis on the higher self do you think it's too much it's too little it's just yeah you know um I do feel um that there's a time and place for it I definitely feel like it has ground and that it's important an important aspect of the work especially because it alludes to listening to your daemon, that, that ancient voice within you that is, you know, coming through you and um, trying to integrate, like, through the filter that is your ego. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that, um, actually, we probably still need more of it. I don't think that it's something that um, isn't important, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's just, it's integration. Mm-hmm. It's integration of all of these pieces together. And I feel like um, no spiritual journey is the same. We're all going to have our unique paths. And um, ultimately, it's all just going to lead us back to the same place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, higher self with no shadow, shadow self with no higher self. Yeah. So it sounds like, do you want to walk with one leg or two? And if you're walking... Yeah your right leg then you're kind of gonna go in circles a little bit maybe yeah you just kind of balance um one offering of yours that i'm curious about and i'm curious if you can explain the process of or the inspiration behind um mm-hmm. you do sex explicit tarot readings <clears throat> so yes uh, i'm curious a little to hear a little bit more about that process and what that's like and what the intention is for it mm-hmm. so <clears throat> as i first put this out there i um had no idea the like tremendous amount of growth that I would have throughout my readings with women and just pulling, pulling back the tarp and seeing what they were experiencing in terms of their desires and their um, insecurities and maybe their apprehensions when it comes to sexuality. And what I really learned is, you know, Serena, you're this sort of like gung ho, like, yeah, we're going to talk about fucking yeah. I don't know if I can cuss on here like is that okay? yeah, it's <laughs> okay. Fine. yeah okay I'm so comfortable in that energy and really it's just been a space of like refining my um leadership and holding compassion for others who have been deeply deeply so and it's just so saddening like how deeply removed so many women are from that aspect of themselves within these containers and so as I refine this um what my aim is is to help sort of peel back the layers of this onion Mm -hmm. and almost like in a very maternal sense um compassionately hold space for women to just you know give them permission to own it please Mm -hmm. like own your lustful desires they're the most beautiful things about you and Mm -hmm. they deserve veneration and it's almost like i think of like the lust card in the thoth deck where she's riding on the lion that is leo and like as opposed to the Rider Waite Smith, where it's like we see this taming or um, this sort of um, yeah. like calming of the desires within us that are rapturous, the things that can literally eat us alive. Mm-hmm. She's riding free with them, and it's just that's what Christ consciousness is. Christ consciousness is um, integration. 
And it like brings to mind Mary Magdalene as well and the archetype of the sacred whore and mm. how she was made into his first disciple. It's like the sacred prostitute. It's just yeah. the one that is, um, she's at the bottom of the totem pole, but when we remove our judgment from her, she can ride free um, because she's a part of us. So that's sort of my intention. I think I got off on a tangent, but that's no, okay. you didn't. That was, I, got, I got so lost. I mean, if you did get on a tangent, I got lost with you because that was so, 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 so fascinating. Um, I don't even know. Oh, okay. So this actually makes me think of this like passionate argument I got in with somebody yesterday. One thing that this is going to sound so off subject, but it it is it it is on subject. Um, cool. I get really just mad when somebody says that, and if this is your opinion on life, that's okay. But <laughs> I get really upset when people say that they're afraid of sharks. That to me, mm. I don't know why, but I mean, actually, I do know why, and I'll explain why. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I just fell in love with sharks. I think I thought they were the coolest animal. One archetype I work a lot with spiritually is dragons as well. And snakes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I have like the three, like I have, um, I have like right here, I have, oh my God, a dragon that just like sits over my desk. Like it's sweet. Cool. Four buddies. It's fine. Uh, and I use the dragon tarot in my readings partially. Um, but anyway, so I just fell in love with like the predator animals and like mm. dragons and all the girls my age were like in love with fairies and dolphins and like cute little bunnies and like that kind of stuff. Yes. And I always loved the snakes, the sharks and the dragons. And yesterday um, I was talking about scuba diving with somebody, like a group of people. And someone was like, Ooh, I couldn't go scuba diving because of sharks. And I instantly just like, Oh, like, you know, my, my point <laughs> like opened up. <laughs> Yeah, sharks, I mean, we know the statistics, but like more people die of coconuts falling on their head from palm trees and shark attacks. <laughs> and for me, I was just so like, or or some somebody said like, oh, I would go swimming, but I wouldn't go very far where the sharks are. Like I've, uh -huh. I've heard this language my entire life of like, sharks are scary. Um, I don't want to go walking through the forest because there's snakes, mm -hmm. like just that kind of stuff. And I just got really passionate about it. And I was like, they were saying like, oh, but did you know that people, there were six shark attacks on the coast of like, people, they're trying to convince me that like sharks right. are scary. And I was like, there is nothing you can tell me to be afraid of sharks. Like they are so cool. I love them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I got home and I thought about it and I was like, man, what is that? But then I realized like, if you're going to go to the ocean, if you're going to go to the beach, if you're going to like go on vacation, and you're going to go scuba diving and you're going to like, I don't know, just like take a yacht out there. Like there are sharks and they don't want to hurt you. Like just mm -hmm. be with them. And like, like that integration of the shadow, that integration, just like it really, for me, I realized like, oh, this was just like a symbolic request to, uh, to um, integrate the shadow. Mm. Um, and I always want people to just like when I was a kid, I was always like telling people facts about sharks and facts about snakes and being like, see, they're not that scary. Like they're cool. Like they only have, mm -hmm. like, they only have this, they're more scared of you than you are scared of them. And just like this yeah. desire for everyone to integrate the shadow. Yeah. Um, and that, and some people just like are not ready for that. And yeah. I, can, I can say that like, I'm, I didn't realize until very late recently how spiritually injured I was around, um, sex and all those kinds of things and I kept mm -hmm. bumping up against that because I talk about creativity I talk about the sacral mm -hmm. um, and I didn't even realize that until recently like just how very injured I am around that area so I have mm -hmm. compassion <laughs> for the people that you may be reading um but the shark analogy that jumped out at me like if you are in life like you can't pretend that this isn't a thing that mm -hmm. is connected to all your other chakras and I'm, I'm assuming you have a very similar frustration <laughs> when mm -hmm. people demonize their inner whore or their um their outer whore or whatever yeah <laughs> I feel I felt that I felt very passionate about about sharks yeah and I I love I love so in your readings is this like do you feel like I mean I've received one of your I received received one of your readings and I feel like readings are so beautiful because you're holding up the mirror to somebody um in these explicit readings, do you feel like you're just kind of holding up a mirror against what they're hiding or um, what do you feel like is the result? I don't want to say like your process because that's more doing, but like, um, what do you feel like the focus is on, on this explicit readings? I feel like a lot of the focus is in 
um, giving people permission to not demonize these, I feel like it's almost like a pre-assumption pre or like presupposition that I should be ashamed of these desires. I should be ashamed of these fetishes or these inclinations within me that are unavoidable to like explore these certain kinks mm -hmm. and really reframing. I feel like it's a lot of reframing. It's a lot of um, undoing. But because I grew up, luckily, um, in an environment where, I mean, among other things, there were other things wrong with my environment, but yeah. I didn't have any religious programming that sort of um, hijacked that aspect of my perception. So yeah. I, was, I felt very free within myself to speak out or to um, reach out and explore different spiritual methodologies, methodologies of um, experience really without any attachment. Um, I just keep confronting religious dogma as being so harmful, so harmful within this context of sexuality. So um, I think I just aim to, to continue learning, to continue to grow, um, and just free women into um, really reclaiming that aspect of our own essence. So I, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. As somebody who was raised Mormon, I can say yeah. experience like your work is so needed and yeah. the safety that you put behind it um i just feel like there's a different angle because i've worked with a lot of people who are into like they're like pleasure coaches or like mm -hmm. sexual trauma coaches or what have you and i definitely feel like there is um uh like a, like you have your finger on this pulse that i think others mm. are afraid to yeah. um, so what ways can people work with you or what offerings do you currently have available mm -hmm. So currently, uh, people can offer uh, work with me through um, my tarot readings. I've got a service menu on my Instagram that people can check out. And I'm also offering uh, bundles for Kundalini Reiki. So if people would like to experience what that energy feels like. Um, the purpose for Reiki has a lot to do with balancing masculine and feminine energies and um i really feel like it goes hand in hand and really repairing that root chakra and being able to reclaim the feral feminine i've just had like raving reviews about it so far which i'm so pleased about um and those are my healing containers that i have presently um in the future i am putting together more um um long form ways of working with me through means of kundalini specifically so that's something that people can watch out for yeah that's exciting i'm excited to hear more about that because it sounds like we've already uncovered in this episode so far like just your perspective on kundalini and the flow and it's not like a thing that you download it's a thing that you like kind of un twist oh yeah yeah i don't know what that, that just twist sounds, it open girl <laughs> yeah like it's, like it's like a thing that you just kind of open um, yes rather than like a thing that you purchase and download i don't know that that just yeah um and i will say from personal experience that i received um kundalini reiki from you with mm -hmm. like no expectation which is like uh, what i know like that's like my favorite way to be because i've gotten reiki from people before um mm -hmm. and i actually was very I, I received it at a time when i was on i was traveling and i thought that like oh is it going to be in the way of my traveling like am i gonna i don't know like is it gonna get yeah. fun but like i also just intuitively felt like no just keep it just leave it um and i didn't realize like until that moment because like you had scheduled a time for me to like kind of just chill out and receive yeah. um but that was exactly what i needed at the time and i was able to fall asleep. i actually did fall asleep i think at one point awesome but at, at a weekend that i wasn't able to sleep i wasn't sleeping very well that weekend um and i was able to sleep and i just felt oh i also stayed sleeping on my back which is like never happens i never sleep mm -hmm. on my back so i was able to sleep on my back yeah and i just i mean to kind of like give people an idea of like what to expect or like what is to receive what it is to receive reiki um in this specific way like i just felt like over time i was like oh wow i feel the benefit i feel like something mm -hmm. has opened up i feel more integrated in myself um i started noticing in that way like just i was no longer in alignment with certain things like mm -hmm. i feel like my vibration had changed too and things had opened and i also felt safe because i've received lots of healing energy that felt like they just blew me open and mm. maybe that way with your kundalini awakening but like oh I yeah received healings that left me feeling blown open yeah um, and just like 
I mean, having like a a shamanic death is one thing, but like just <laughs> you're broken open because of someone on the internet did something and you don't know yes. what they did. Oh that, god, I've had that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, I <laughs> this is why we do the root chakra work. Um, yep. but yeah, so I'm gonna put uh your information in the show notes. Um, so people know to work with you. I personally have experienced the Kundalini Reiki as well as your, was it a general reading or did it have It was a general reading, I believe. Yeah. No, no, no. no. It was a shadow reading. That's what it was. Oh no, you're right. That's what it was. Yeah. Because I just like came across your profile somehow and you said that you were doing shadow readings and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm in. Like (laughs) I have lots of very fluffy readings. Like, I mean, that's fine. Fluffy isn't it? Like some people just really are so aware of their shadow and they just want that like the higher self like they want the they want the good feeling yes and I there is there is like so I think most of my readings have been fairly like good-hearted and like good things are coming your way and you're so amazing Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like I just wanted neutral reality like I wanted yeah I wanted that realness and that's what I got and it was also not you weren't like reading me for shit, you know what I mean? But like you were, like, <laughs> you, you, it was, it was um, very refreshing and, and get it. I also felt the benefits of that reading like over the days. Um, because I mean, for me, when I give somebody like a coaching session or a reading, you know, you upload the video or you do the little Zoom session and then right. it ends and you're just like, I, I feel at least this doubt of like, did I really help them? Like, it was just so easy. Like all I did mm-hmm. was like, read the card and say the thing right then like I also have to trust that goes back to what you're saying like trust that like your being is activating somebody else which is why the word activate just sounds so much more fun than like coaching Mm because coaching sounds like I'm in there with you like yelling at you and like telling you to do push-ups and stuff you know um yeah yeah I think like you touched on too like what I'm realizing that is that it's actually supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be this sort of like natural seamless energy. So that's a lot more of like reclaiming ugh, just the ways in which we work and what we think our work is supposed to look like. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so working on that personally, but <laughs> I'm, yeah. but I'm definitely leaps and bounds farther than I used to be. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to include all that in the show notes. Um, that's really all I feel like I learned. I mean, I know that we could be talk, we could talk forever. I know. <laughs> I feel like that pretty much crossed a lot that other people wouldn't dare cross. So if anybody's listened this far, like you're amazing and good things are on their way to you. So yes. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And oh, thank you for having me. I loved it. Everybody go get their reading, go get their, go, go do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you.